Welcome to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries, a Christ-centered conversation that will encourage and inspire you to live a better life. Now let's join Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. Welcome to Hacks for Life. I'm Galen Jones, your host, and I'm here talking with a very close friend, uh, Scott Rahi. And we've been covering a, a lot of topics uh, dealing with apologetics. And my, my question for you, Scott, today is, did humans invent God? Did man invent God? I would start by saying it depends on who you're talking about when it's talking about God. Because I think there's no, no not a real debate on whether man invented some gods. Um, for instance, the Greek gods, I oh, think, okay. pretty well considered you know, it's consensus that the Greek gods were crafted by man. They come out of man's mind. You know, you're talking like Zeus. Yeah. Apollo, uh, all those, Aphrodite. Yeah, Aphrodite, all, all those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when you're asking about the creator of all things, the uncreated first cause of all things, the God, you know, as St. Anselm described him, a being uh, than which nothing greater can be conceived. The God that we've been talking about mm-hmm. this whole time. Which would be also, in, in if we're looking at the biblical text, and we're going to cover some, uh, have some conversations about the Bible um, in, in, in the future, um, the I Am. The I Am, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> the, the, the God that we believe in, the God, uh, Judeo-Christian concept of God. I, I don't think it's a viable um I don't think you can. I mean, people say it certainly, and I've heard people say it, but I don't. I don't think it's a case that can they can uh, carry water. I think if you look closely at it, it's interesting how it's almost the very nature of God defeats that argument. And you know that I'm a fan of C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a book called The Problem of Pain, and in the very beginning of that book, in the introductory chapter, he he sort of goes through a reasoning process that. I think it was part of his reasoning when he was an atheist that led him to faith. And I'm going to I'm going to paraphrase liberally because I'm not going to quote the introductory because <coughs> what he does is he takes his reasoning and it's an entire introductory it'd be very difficult to pull individual quotes out and and that, make that make would them make, sense. make them make sense, yeah, right? Yeah. But if anybody wants to read how, how he crafted it directly, I would just say points it's not a very long five or six pages um in the paperback. But what he basically did as he's an atheist, he started saying, well, look, we all agree that the universe is evil. We all agree that there's all this suffering. We, all, we agree that there's, it, it's just miserable. Um, how did, if man did invent God, how did man invent this concept of a being? Well, he starts, so he, he starts there, but then he says, you know, where did man come up with this idea of the supernatural? If there is no such thing as the supernatural. Um, and he makes the case that there really is, and I've heard you know other authors do the same thing, we can't really imagine anything that we don't have some experience with in reality. Like imagine something, just imagine anything, even something fictional. Think about a unicorn, for example. Well, a unicorn is, is a horse. It's based on a horse. It's got a, a horn on its nose. Well, we have horns. We know what those things are. I mean, all of these, this is like a fictionalized version of something that does exist in reality. And I've asked people before, uh, and I'll mention it here, try to imagine something that it's impossible for you to imagine. You can't do it. And it's really interesting. You, know, I see you sit still and you think about that for a minute. And what he does is, is C.S. Lewis said, look, ancient man 
it makes sense that he had a fear of death. It makes sense that he had a fear of the dark because in the dark, there were animals that were uh, potentially going to hunt him and, and kill him. All of these fears are reasonable, but where did he transcend that fear of death and the dark to this sort of notion of a supernatural realm and this sort of uh, supernatural fear of ghosts and spirits? And the, where did they come from? Because there's no if God doesn't exist and if man's inventing this, then man would have to invent something that he has zero experience with you know, in reality. And he says there's just no examples of that. People don't invent things that don't have some reference point in reality. So that's the first sort of peg that he that he sets in the ground. And then he says, but imagine, <clears throat> let's just take that leap of faith. And let's imagine that God, that man did say, okay, there's a spiritual realm. And there's a being that created the universe. And, he, and we're going to call him God. And God and they and man did invent this idea of God. You've got this universe that is so evil, where there's so much death, so much suffering, so much misery. And he invents this idea of a being that created it all. Not only that, but the the vision of God that was created was this God that is perfect, that required perfection, that we could never measure up to an impossible um, standard that we're always going to fall short of. So if we invent, if man invented God, he invented um, this God that we can never, we can never measure up and do anything good enough to, to live up and, and sort of be made right with him. So we're at, we're at odds with God and we can never do anything good enough so that God will be satisfied with us. First of all, we can't really invent God because we don't have that experience in reality. Imagine that we do invent God. Why would man invent a God that he could never please? Under any circumstances, why would man ever invent a being like that? Furthermore, let's say that steps one and two were accomplished somehow. Why would man invent a God that he could never please? And he would imagine he's a loving God. Instead of a God that is wrathful and filled with hate and all, all he's about is trying to destroy us because we can never satisfy him. So that kind of a God, if we invented him, that kind of a God would be all about trying to destroy us and send us to hell. And, and yet the picture that has been described of God throughout history is God is love. And what he said is, look, it just staggers the imagination to imagine that man would first conceive of the spiritual realm all on his own without any reference point second that he would decide that a god created it and that this god somehow was so perfect we could never measure up if man invented god and you see this with the actual mythological gods you would invent a god that would allow you to satisfy him you do good enough things. Look at the trials of Hercules. I do certain things, and all of a sudden, that God is satisfied. Not only that, but that God owes me certain blessings because I do things in a, in a particular way. So he basically said, look, it just doesn't make sense. God is, you know, we have this picture of an all-loving God that created the universe, and man would never invent something like that. There's just no possible way that man would do it. And I know I'm not saying it nearly in the quality of the, the sort of the impact that it comes across when he says it, but um, that's one of these things where, like, how could man ever invent something like that? It's just an impossibility. So that's one thing I would point people to is this introductory in, in the book, in the problem of pain. Um, 
But there's another book that I find very helpful. I read a book a long time ago called The Bible Among the Myths by an author named John Oswald. And I was impressed enough with it that I went and compiled sort of a list. Um, the author basically sets the Bible up and contrasts it to the other mythological gods throughout history, the Mesopotamian gods, the Greek gods, that sort of thing. And what he says is, look, the characteristics of God, according to Christianity, are exactly the opposite of what the, the fictional gods are. The, the characteristics of the fictional gods are exactly the kind of characteristics you would expect from an invented God. If a man, if man were to invent a God, here's the thing, here's the way that man would invent their God. And in fact, throughout history, we see examples of man inventing their own gods, and they have these kind of characteristics. Hence, the, the, when we were talking about the Greek and Roman gods, yeah. they all had something to do with a, a real-life experience. Yeah, they did. The, you know. Yeah. Um, they were very, uh, <clears throat> well, they were very petty. They had a lot of human emotion. There was a lot of bickering and that sort of yeah, thing. And they you had conniving. to please them. You had to you yeah. know, make your sacrifice, or you had to do this or yeah. whatever to, to get them to to be happy with you, to give you That's good right. weather, yep. you know, uh, good sex, whatever. Yep. So, yeah. So what he did in this book, and it's an awfully good book. It's one of my favorite um, books that I've read. He, he Let me give you a list. He, what he did is he com, comes up with a list and says, look, here's the characteristics of the mythological gods. And let's look at the God of Christianity and see if the God of Christianity has the characteristics of the mythological gods. And I'm going to go through them each one at a time. And let's just let's just see. First of all, these these invented gods are polytheistic. In other words, the Greeks are the are a good example. There are lots of gods in the Greek pantheon. You've got Zeus, you've got Hera, you've got uh, Hermes, you've got you know, all these different ones. There it's not one monotheistic god. It's a lot of gods. So that's the first thing. These invented gods, they tend to invent lots of gods. Yep. Christianity, like a family. I mean, we, we've right. got, yeah. Christianity stands in contrast to that, or our, our belief about God stands in contrast. In fact, according to Oswald, Christianity, the, the, the God of the, uh, the Judeo-Christian worldview is the only God. Um, that's the only place that a monotheistic idea ever came from in history. And he says the Jews... Yeah, their God is monotheistic. Well, sure it is, because Christianity comes out of Judaism. He says um, Islam, their idea of God is a monotheistic one. Well, of course it is. It also comes out of Judaism. So the only place that a monotheistic concept of God comes from is the Judeo-Christian worldview. Outside of that, it's all these polytheistic gods. So that's the first thing that says an invented God, polytheistic um, pantheon of gods, non-invented God, monotheism. That's the first one. The second one is this idea of images. Um, mythical cultures represent their gods in the forms of nature, animals, etc. The Judeo-Christianity specifically forbids casting God in any images. God doesn't want anybody making any image about him at all. He, matter of fact, he, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the, the invented gods, hey, it's a, it's a bird, it's a, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, you think about what happened in Exodus, the very first thing that happened whenever the Israelites left. Yeah, they build an image, and God's like, I don't like that image. And so he grinds it up, puts it in the water, and makes them drink it. Um, So there's the second one. 
invented God, all these images that were made to look like you know, elements of nature. Which, which again goes back to a, an experience, of a, That's right. a human experience. Yeah, exactly. Something in reality. The third one is the idea of the eternity of chaotic matter. And I'm reading from this list. So um, in the myths, all things were created out of the pre-existing chaos often as the result of a battle between the chaos monsters and the gods. In the Judeo-Christian worldview, God created all things out of nothing. So this this sort of chaos, this battle, this sort of, it's almost like the world was created in some cases just as an after effect. But in this other one, we've got one God creating through his word out of, non, out of non-being. He spoke the, spoke the world into existence. The next one is, Personality is not essential to reality in the in the invented gods. In the myths, the divine realm is not distinctively personal. Personality is something specific to humanity, but there are no full-orbed personalities among the mythical gods. They're typically very flat and very stereotyped. You know, so you'll see like Loki, the trickster god. That's his personality, and it's just a it's just a, a characteristic. And you know, there's not a lot of depth. Or, I mean, I'm not talking about the Marvel movies or any of that yeah. stuff. I'm talking about the, you know, in the uh, in the 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 Viking culture, you know, that sort of thing. So, by contrast, the god of the Old Testament is one who is deeply personal, has a full complex personality. So, the gods that are invented tend to be sort of two dimensional and wooden. The, so we've seen four things where if we're inventing God, he would look different than he does. Here's the fifth one, the, a low view of the gods. In the myths, the gods are manipulative, unworthy, sorry, untrustworthy, lazy, etc. <laughs> and that's true. Yeah. No, it is. I, 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 I laugh because it is true. I mean, when you've looked at those, you kind of go, wow. Yeah, I, Loki I, the trickster god. He's Yeah, I mean, jeez. You know. So by contrast, God... The Judeo-Christian God is the highest moral ideal. In the Judeo-Christian worldview, there is a high view of God. So there's the next contrast. So the, the invented gods, low view of the gods, non-invented. You know, um, The next one is conflict is the source of life. In the myths, conflict between the gods and between the gods and chaos is the source of life. In the Judeo-Christian worldview, conflict isn't seen. God doesn't have to compete with anyone or anything. He's the creator and sustainer, and there is no conflict with co-equal forces opposed to him. The next one is uh, low view of humanity. Um, In the mythological gods and the invented gods, humans are an afterthought, often created without the gods even intending to. By contrast, humanity is the ultimate pinnacle of creation in the Judeo-Christian worldview. Well, it's that, the only one. Yeah, and that's huge because huge. The, the the other one, well, oops. We, oops, we, we've got we, beings down yeah, here. Yeah. What are we going to do with what them? What are we going to do with that? Yeah, exactly. uh, but, uh, you know, our, our God uh, intentionally created us in his image. In his image, yeah. Um, which is kind of cool. Let us make man in our image. Yeah. The next one is in the in the invented gods, there's no single standard of ethics. In the myths, each of the gods had their own agendas and view of what was right. In the Judeo-Christian worldview, God is the sole source of ethics, and these ethics are universal for all people at all times. At all times, yeah. And then there's one more. There's a little bit more here. The, the ninth one, though, is the cyclical concept of existence. In the myths, there was merely a sense of the cyclical nature of things, 24-hour days, four seasons, that sort of thing. In the Judeo-Christian worldview, mankind is set on the stage of history, moving toward a definite purpose and end. 
with the mythological gods, you see a lot of things like I'm going to do certain things in order to get my crops fertilized and the gods would owe me because of this. And the dying and rising of my crops is the dying and rising of these mythological gods. And so there's a very cyclical nature. There's not this linear progression toward the end of time where God will judge the living and the dead and, you know, that sort of thing. So it's a very different concept. So that's kind of where we would get um, the, the idea of reincarnation, some of those kinds of ideas. Right, exactly. And there's two more. The first one is sexuality. In the mythological gods, the the invented ones, sex was the way to ritually force the gods to do such things as fertilize crops. And in the Judeo-Christian worldview, sex is not considered sacred in that sense. It's sacred in the sense that we are joined together with our between husband and wife, right. and it's the way that we experience sort of a, a closeness that you know we don't get it outside of that. But in the mythological gods or the invented gods, sex was a, a tool to be used to sort of, here's a ritual, a sexual ritual, and I'm going to obligate my gods to do certain things for me because I've performed these sexual acts. Mm -hmm. So it's a very different way. And then the last one is transcendence. In the Judeo-Christian worldview, the key concept is a radical dependence upon God for all things. There is no sense of being able to force God's hand by performing certain rituals in order to maintain the status quo. In other words, if I do my sacrifice perfectly, then God owes me a fertile um, field of cotton or whatever it is. Um, I don't ever find myself in a position where God is obligated to do anything. I depend upon him absolutely and radically. And so Oswald obviously develops this idea quite a bit more because he he devotes a whole book to it. But the idea is, sure, there are people that invent gods. Throughout history, you've invented, you know, lots of cultures have invented the idea of gods. I would, I would also say the idea that they, that all these cultures invent gods tells me that they're all aware that there's a supernatural realm. That to me is evidence that there is a supernatural realm. And so they've invented these ideas of gods and they've assigned traits to them and they've set themselves up as being able to satisfy them and even make the gods obligated to them if they do things correctly and whatnot. And by contrast, the God that we believe in None of those things are true. You know, it's not a pantheon of gods. It's one God. It's we can't do anything that causes God to be obligated to us. You know, all of these different things. So in answer to the question, does man invent God? I think I think man does. Um, and I think you can even go beyond that and say we invent gods today oh, where, yeah. where we worship um, our health or our wealth or our status and these 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 things that help us get identity. Yeah, that's just I was getting ready to go down that path. Yeah, we can save that for another okay conversation. Um, but so yes, there is a time when people invent gods, but the Judeo Christian God, no, he does not have the characteristics, and we don't have the the concept of him that allows us to to conclude that we invented God. And so in that sense, no, we, we didn't invent the God that we believe really exists. Yeah. Wow. Good stuff. Powerful stuff. Um, good for reflection, as we talked about mm-hmm. in our last conversation. Yeah. So. I would say just read the book. It's uh, The Bible Among the Myths. It's a really, really good book if anybody's interested in more, more detail on this. Wow. Super. Always enjoy it, Scott. Uh, Me too. Looking forward to the next conversation. You bet. You've been listening to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. The James Group is a nonprofit, Christ centered organization that seeks to serve the community by offering skilled, caring support for anyone in need. 
or help, call 972-243-4673. That's 972-243-4673. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another Hacks for Life with Galen Jones.